This episode of Juice Crew Radio is brought to you by Try Best, making healthy living easy. Well, welcome. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak. And welcome to the show. I'm Steve Prusak. Can't be more excited. We've got Robert Moss. He's a dream teacher on a path for which really there's been no career track before in our culture. You're going to hear all about that. Uh, he's the creator of Active Dreaming, um, an original synthesis of dream work and shamanism. You're going to hear all about that and more. So get a tea, some water, some juice, and we'll be back right after this with Robert Moss. Did you know you can make a great living in the hottest new business trend today? The Juice Guru Certification Program is the world's first online course to give you the knowledge and marketing skills to excel as a juicing coach and start making money in no time. Find out more at JuiceCoachTraining.com. Well, I couldn't be more excited. His new book, Mysterious Realities, A Dream Traveler's Tale from the Imaginal Realm. It's Robert Moss. He's here on the show from Australia, survived three near-death experiences in childhood, leads popular seminars all over the world, and uh, teaches all about active dreaming. We're going to hear more about that. He's a, a renowned teacher and more over 12 books on dreaming, shamanism, and imagination. Let's welcome to the show right now, Robert Moss. Always good to be dreaming with you, Steve. Thank you for keeping the dream alive, Robert. Well, the dream is real. It's one of the things we need to realize. All of life might be a waking dream when we've got our eyes open if we pay attention. It might be more malleable than we otherwise recognize. The magic is bursting all around us. One of the things I do and I teach people to do, Steve, is look for the signs and symbols and synchronicities in the world around you. In my native Australia, the Aborigines talk about living in the speaking land, which means the river is speaking, the mountain is speaking. In our modern wild, wired universe, you know, email is speaking, Facebook pop-ups are speaking you know and the kids chalk chalk drawing on the street is speaking so a lot of this for me is about walking this world with all your senses of quiver looking for signs and symbols around you the sleeping life the waking dream what is it about our dreams that we can learn how do we know what's a real dream and why is it that some people even forget their dreams well lots of us are suffering a dream drought it's worse than forgetting a lot of people seem to think they don't dream because they never seem to remember. This This is a pandemic crisis in modern society. We don't make room for dreams. We don't know how to talk about them. We don't understand that there's guidance energy available for you in the dream world, which you can bring through. So one of the gifts of our night dreams, our spontaneous sleep dreams that we may not have asked for and may not like, is, is this. And most traditional cultures have understood this across most of our evolution on the planet, Steve. They've understood that in dreams you might get in touch with a source that is a lot wiser than your everyday mind. Call it God, goddess, nature, ancestors, nature, whatever. It's a source that's wiser than you normally are, and it might be showing you things you need to see. That source might be holding up a mirror to your current everyday attitudes and behaviors that can be shocking or humorous and give you some course correction. Secondly, most cultures throughout most of human history have understood, as I do, but in dreaming, we are time travelers. We travel to past times. We travel to parallel times. We travel into the future. When it comes to the future, you know what? Dreams give us glimpses of things that lie ahead. They rehearse us the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. Pay attention and you can make better choices. You can avoid, avoid that unwanted disaster. You might save your relationship or your health if you pay attention to that. And thirdly, mentioning health. 
Most traditional cultures have understood that dreaming is about healing. It's about medicine. Dreams might show you what's going on inside your body. They might show you symptoms before they present themselves to a doctor in a doctor's office. You might avoid that visit altogether if you pay attention. Dreams give you imagery for healing. The right image can heal the body. It can change its behavior. And above all, perhaps dreams show us what the soul wants and where the soul has gone. They show us what our largest self considers to be our fundamental purpose. And they show us secret wishes of the soul. That's a phrase I picked up from a native tradition through my own dreams. And if you begin to realize that your dreams show you the secret wishes of your soul, well, you want to act on those so that more of soul, more of vitality is present in your life. However, as I say, lots of people aren't tuned into this. They're missing the movies and a lot more than missing the movies. So one of the basic things I do is I give people reasons. I give them juice. I give them uh, incitation to pay more attention to dreams and bring magic through from the dream world into the everyday world. Wow, I have so much to download and talk to you about. It's just, it's phenomenal. And, and I can't wait to dive deeper into this with you. So, but, but going back on what you said here about the warnings in our dreams and that we can actually make better choices. So really... Is this coming from our subconscious? Where is this coming from that we're getting these messages and, and we can actually change the future, so to say? Is, is that what you're getting at? Well, it's coming from more, more than the bargain basement of the personal subconscious. Yeah, the personal subconscious speaks to us too. But when you're traveling in time, for example, you're doing more more than just rummaging amongst the basement of your life and putting things together, that can be interesting. I think it's like this, Steve. I think that some part of consciousness is forever traveling ahead of us in life, checking out the road ahead. And one of the things going on in dreams, if you'll pay attention, remember and look at the information carefully is, you might see, oh, there's a, there's a real pothole on the road, you know, a week from now or a year from now, I want to avoid that pothole. And so if you start looking at all your dream material and asking the question, could this play out in the future? And then the question, do I like this or not? Do I want this or not? Then you can navigate better. I mean, I, my attitude is that consciousness is not confined to the body and the brain. And dreaming is one of the ways we wake up to that. Physics tells us the same thing. I mean, this isn't some new age, you know, soap bubble. This is what physics tells us is probable. We live in the world of non-local mind. We can go anywhere in the realm of mind that we can imagine and can access. And one of the ways we access the possible future is in our dreams. My dreams have kept me alive on the road of this world. I wouldn't be talking to you if I had not, to my certain knowledge, avoided appointments with death on the road, fatal traffic accidents, car accidents is three times because I read the information and applied it and avoided those dates with death on the road. I mean, that's pretty serious stuff. This can keep you alive. It can also deal with much more manageable small situations like getting to the right place on time, fixing your relationship, avoiding the development of that symptom in your body that you'd really rather not have to go to a hospital with. So these are some of the things that are accessible to us through dreaming. So you have here Sigmund Freud called dreams the royal road to the unconscious. I know you have another take on that, uh, if you can expand on that. What, what have you come up with? Well, I'm a paleolithic psychologist, Steve. I mean, I'm a Stone Age soul doctor, and I understand, as our distant ancestors did, that dreaming is traveling. Yeah, the different kinds of dreams, the big dreams, the little dreams. But in interesting dreams, we're often traveling. We're traveling beyond the fields we know. We're traveling into the future. We're traveling across time. We're traveling to other worlds. 
we're traveling to worlds where healing and initiation is possible. We're traveling to worlds where the dead are alive. And in this way, we get to know what happens after death firsthand. So my new book, Mysterious Realities, is a collection of stories that are travelogues. They're stories of travels. And many of the travels take us into these realms that are accessible actually to anyone, according to your courage and imagination, once you start tapping into what dreaming can be. Because one of the beautiful things about this, Steve, is we all have some degree of access to all of this. It's not for some esoteric group in funny clothes off in a corner. We all dream. If you say you don't dream, you're just saying you don't remember. And if you haven't remembered for a while, there are ways of getting it started again. And once you start dreaming and remembering your dreams and looking at what is possible, you can learn to do some very cool things. For example, you've dreamed of being in a special place beyond the ordinary place. You can learn to go back into that dream. You can travel consciously. In the workshops, we use shamanic drumming. At home, I might just flick an inner switch. And you can travel through the gateway of a dream you remember into the space you are in, and that can be amazing. You can talk to someone who is alive on the other side of death. You can talk to a spiritual teacher who appears to you in that space. You can have an adventure in the multidimensional universe. You can go to Tahiti and not pay for the plane ticket. I mean, all sorts of things are possible here. You talked about the idea that dreaming can be an alternate reality or a parallel reality too. Isn't that right? Well, a lot of my story... A lot of my advanced work actually is focused on exploring parallel worlds. And once again, this isn't some new age superstition. Physics tells us in the many worlds hypothesis that it's more likely than not that you and I are living right now and everybody else in one of infinite parallel universes. The world is constantly splitting. So in a parallel universe, this to you and me, we're not doing the show right now. In another parallel universe, you never had a show. You never became Juice Guru. In another parallel world, I never became a dream teacher. I did something else. Well, what's the use of thinking about that? One of the very interesting uses of thinking about that is you can learn to consciously explore what you're doing in your parallel lives. And that can be give you a sense of closure. You no longer perhaps need to regret having broken up with that person because it's going on somewhere else and maybe it did or did not work out better than your present life. You can also learn to do something which is phenomenally interesting, Steve. If you're living a parallel life, and let's say, for example, you became an artist, a successful artist, you mastered the media beyond what you've done in this life and you've always slightly regretted not doing more with art, you might find that if you can tune into, connect with the parallel self who is that accomplished artist, you can bring some tricks, some gifts, some methods from that person into your present life. You can talk to each other even, sit down and talk to each other and make a deal that you'll support each other in different ways. This is the kind of cutting-edge stuff that I teach as a teacher of these things. And in, in Mysterious Realities, I write about what it's like without commentary, without without much commentary. They're sort of Twilight Zone-type introductions to the stories and without how-to methods. But I basically take people into the places where they can be enlivened by understanding that all of this is available. You're living a parallel life right now, maybe many of them. Do you want to know more about it? Well, here's what it might be like to tap consciously into that parallel existence and bring some knowledge, some gifts, some lessons from back into your present life. This is a path of magic, Steve. It's a path of real magic. In my lexicon, real magic is what happens when we bring gifts from one reality, from one world into another world. We do that as dreamers. We tap into the dream worlds, which are vast, vaster geography than ordinary life. We bring a gift, some healing, some guidance, some creativity from that deeper reality into the ordinary reality. That is practical magic. So here we go about our everyday waking life, or maybe this is a dream, Robert. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm dreaming this interview. No, 
But we go about our everyday life and every night we go to sleep and we have this opportunity. We have this experience. And how many of us are just going to sleep and it's kind of like autopilot? We're not even realizing the benefit that that dream could bring us. Well, a guy came to one of my workshops years ago, and I always ask people to say, why are you here? What's your intention? How did you come here? And he said, I'm here because I realize I've been missing the movies for most of my life. So you're missing the movies if you're not tuned into your dreams, because there's great entertainment value in dreams in addition to all else. The Aborigines in the Western Desert of my native Australia will say when they listen to a dream story while the billy is boiling the tea, the water for the tea in the morning, they hear a dream report and they might just say, good story, that one or stories sweet as tea, meaning this is great entertainment, don't miss it. But you're missing all sorts of other things. You're missing the voice of conscience, as dreams will remind you of orders of value beyond the ordinary ones. They'll hold up a magic mirror to your everyday actions and behaviors, which can be embarrassing and can be, again, a source of course correction. So there's all this waiting for us, and it's not just about what happens with your eyes closed or when you're in a state of sleep. When you're in bed, for example, you're sleeping, you are dreaming. But there are those in-between states that the $5 word for those in between states is the state of hypnagogia. You're not awake, you're not asleep, you're drifting somewhere in between. Everybody knows that. Some people miss that state because they just say, why am I not asleep? I've got to get up in the morning and go to work. And they miss the fact that in that liminal, fluid, flowing state of in-between consciousness, really good things can happen. Creative connections can be made. You're naturally psychic and intuitive beyond the ordinary. You can hear the voice of inner teachers. You can embark on lucid dreaming as images rise and fall. You stay with one of them, that in-between state, and you're embarked on a full-blown lucid dream adventure. So in the night, there's the gift of the sleep dream. Whether you asked for it or not, you might have incubated a dream on a certain theme or it might just come to you. And there's the gift of the drifty in-between twilight zone experiences. And many of my best stories come from that in-between state. I'm not asleep. I'm not awake. I'm in-between. Interesting things happen. And finally, for now, as we said earlier, it's about dreaming wide awake. You and I are dreaming right now. I think we're in physical bodies, so we probably don't want to overturn the computers or go and jump off, jump off the roof of a building, so there's some li physical limitations. But I think we're dreaming right now in the sense that we are engaged in what can be a far more creative kind of connection with reality than many of us realize. Let's look while we're wide awake and conscious for those signs and symbols in the world around us. And let's look at the possibility of shape-shifting the reality we inhabit a bit. Let's see if we can stretch the limits of possibility a bit. Let's see if the force of our intention can make things generate in a slightly different way. That's dreaming too. Well, there's a liberation in what you say. It's a letting go of the past and the future and being in the moment more than ever. And we can actually play. You and I are actually playing right now. Well, I don't do anything except in the spirit of play. If I, I can avoid it, it feels like work in the boring sense. I don't want to do it, Steve. I wouldn't be talking to you if I didn't consider it a creative play. And you're a creative guy. I like talking to you. So I'm happy to do the interview. But my attitude towards life is I'm on holiday every day. Because if you do what you love, you are actually on holiday, right? And if it feels like work in the boring sense, well, forget it. I'm all about helping people to find the work, great big capital W which you do for its own sake because you love it and you give your best for it. You find the field you want to play in, you give to it everything you can, and that makes life differently. Different. I mean, my rule of life is find what you love and do it and let the universe support you. I mean, I think that's the way we want to approach life. And we can, we can get away with it if we're willing to use some courage and imagination.
Well, I love that about you because you've really created your own universe here because this isn't something that a lot of people are talking about. And I never understood why it seems like this is something that should be thoroughly researched, but you've created a whole area here with dream research and active dreaming and all this. And where does it go from here? And why isn't it getting out? Why aren't more people realizing, wow, Robert is onto something big here and we should really tune into this. Well, I think it is getting out. I mean, I love, love the fact that I'd be able to work in a grassroots way, one small group, another small group, this, that, the other, some pretty good books, which are not selling millions of copies, but people are reading them. They're in 21 languages. My methods are being taught in at least 21 countries. I'm personally teaching them all over Europe as well, all, all over North America, with wildly excited and happy groups, because people understand this is about soul and it's about survival. I think, in fact, a lot of people are hungry for this. They don't yet know that it's available. They don't yet have a way of sharing their dreams and personal stories, which is rewarding and enables them to receive feedback in the right way and guides them to action. I invented a process of doing that. It's called the lightning dream work game. It's four steps. You tell me a dream, I'll ask you for a title, I'll ask you three questions, how did you feel about this, reality check, what do you recognize from this in your life, and could it happen in the future, what do you want to know? Then I will say to you, foregoing any claim to be master or interpreter of your dream, because you're the interpreter of your dream at the end of the day, then I'll say to you, this is my dream, but this is my life, I'll think about such and such. And then I'll say to you after our discussion, okay, action plan, what action will you take to honor what's come to you in the dream and in the conversation because you want to milk creative and healing energy for life from your dreams and the conversation. Once you've learned that simple four-step technique, it becomes irresistible. You want to bring a story to the table. You want to talk to people this way. So I've invented a method that makes dreaming, sharing dreaming socially rewarding. Our culture has lacked this. We need it. Once you realize how much fun this can be, then you're mobilized to do it. Yeah, maybe not that many people know about it yet, but it's shifting all the time. It's growing. No, and I, I, you misunderstood. I would definitely was not discrediting the incredible work you've done. I'm just saying this is something that they should be teaching in every university across America. Like, I never learned about this in college. Right, right. Well, I wrote a book called The Secret History of Dreaming. I'm a history professor. It's a very brief academic life that I led, but I was once actually a professor <laughs> of ancient history at a very age at the Australian National University. So I know a little bit about the writing and the teaching of history. And I know, as you do, that this is not part of what is taught in any basic course, even psychology courses. I was devastated to discover when I taught PhD students in psychology at an advanced institute in Chicago that dreaming was not part of their curriculum. They didn't even study Freud. They'd never heard of Jung. They did no dream work process. So it is amazing the extent to which academia has ignored the potency of dreaming and failed to include it in their curricula. The way it will come back at the end is that the kids will be allowed to talk about their dreams. The adults will start listening to them because the masters of this area are actually very young children. They're the masters of dreams and imagination. And one of the ways of changing society is to prime adults to listen more attentively to the stories their kids are telling them and help the kids when there's scary stuff and help them to create, draw, write from their dreams, perform, do theatre from their dreams. And the kids eventually are going to re-educate the adults. So I'm doing an increasing amount of work with kids and schools and families in different places around the world because that is where the great turning point will come. Awesome. And thank you for that. And so for those listening and wanting to get started on active dreaming and being more aware of our dreaming, getting the messages from our dreams, where do we start? Well, you start by, by taking up the art of keeping 
keeping a journal. If you're not keeping a journal, you'll never get good at this. This is your secret book. This is where you write down your dreams and actually anything else you want to write down, any observations from the day, what's going through your mind. You keep a journal and it is a creative art. I've been keeping a journal for a very long time. I, I write hand write my journals when I'm traveling and I draw in the journals and the child and the artist in me loves the drawings and the coloring that goes on in the physical journal. But because I can't read my handwriting, I also put it in a digital database and with a word search engine or something like that. I can pull up all the dreams I've had on a certain theme. Black dog. How many dreams I've had about black dog? Many. Hundreds will pop up and then I can track my symbol moving across time. You start keeping a journal, it's going to be your scientific logbook. You're going to discover, for example, that you do practice precognition. You see things before they happen. You're going to notice that you have telepathic experience and experience that you're connected with other people in dreams and other ways. So it's going to be your way of confirming the fact that you have supernormal abilities. That's an old word that's coming back into our vocabulary. It's not abnormal. It's supernormal. Precognition, telepathy, things like that. And you'll have your personal encyclopedia of symbols. And you know what? If you've got any interest at all in writing, you're doing your workout as a writer when you write in your journal. So uh, keeping a journal is the start, the absolute start, and it will continue across the year to grow. It'll be a treasure box for you, and you'll be so grateful that you're doing it. What about nightmares and recurring dreams? What are the messages in those? I mean, I, I, if I go through a patch of nightmares, it gets to a point where I'm like, I don't even want to go to sleep that night. I'm like, oh, no, what? What am I going to have to go through tonight? <laughs> well, it's, an excellent, it's an excellent question. That is one of the reasons why a lot of people have closed the door in their dreams. They think that it's scary stuff. They'd rather not look at it. It's a very poor strategy because if you're running away from something in your dreams, here's what's going to happen. It's going to pursue you in your waking life. It's going to jump on your back. It's much safer to confront it in your dreams and to let it develop, whatever it's about. And you might find, if you find the courage and the will to face up to the challenge of dreams, that what you're fleeing from is your own power. I mean, a very instructive experience from my own life. When I started living in this country, which is a long time ago now, I started dreaming of the bear in a way I don't remember dreaming of in, in Australia or England where I used to live. The bear is enormous. The bear is in my house. The bear is in my bedroom, and it's huge, and I'm scared because it's big. It's not attacking me, but it's so much bigger than me that I am afraid. So I do something I would now counsel anybody else to do. I will myself to re-enter the dream. I'm just sitting in an easy chair, no drumming, no props, no chemicals. I'm just using the energy of my fear and my desire to understand why the bear is in my space. So I turn off and I pull the curtains. I make it my intention to go back into the space of the dream, which isn't far away. It's in my house and meet the bear. And the bear is there, Steve, and it's enormous. It's gigantic. And I am terrified. It's more real than you looking at you on the screen. You're pretty real, but I can smell the bear. It's rank feral. And I have to will myself to step up to the bear. The bear wraps its great arms around me. I think I've had it. My rib cage is going to be crushed. But it's a gentle embrace, and now we're the same size, and the things start to evolve. The bear wants me to look at the heart. Now, look at my heart center. It's really interesting. There's something like a thick umbilical, pumping life energy back and forth between my heart and the heart of the bear. And I understand. I just understand. I know in that moment the bear and I are joined at the heart. And the bear signals to me mind to mind, not in human speech, but this is my translation. Call on me and I'll show you what you need to be healed and I will show you what can be done to heal others. The promise has been kept for 30 years. 
whenever I open a live workshop, we sing a song that calls the bear as medicine protective. It's a great medicine animal of North America. We call it here in California, state of the bear. We, we call in the bear as medicine ally and protector into the group, and its promise has been kept. It is a great healing agency. So to cut to the chase, I was scared of my own power because the bear is part of my power. I don't call it my bear, but the bear is a medicine ally that I value greatly. But until I braved up and stepped back into the space of what was a scary dream, nightmare in the sense I didn't want to go on with it, I didn't have that power available. So a nightmare in my lexicon, one more thought about that, is not just a scary dream, it's a broken dream. You don't like it, you run away, you can't face it, you're being pursued, you escape. The antidote to nightmares is to find the way, find the moment, to find the will, to find the courage, to get back into that space and confront the challenge on its own ground and see what it is. It could be a different kind of challenge. You might be being warned of a sickness you're going to get if you don't you know, do something about it. You might be being warned of a road accident or something else or a problem in a relationship. Whatever exactly is going on in a scary dream, you want to see if you can stay with it and see it through and resolve it in that space. And it couldn't do it in the original dream. One of the things I teach people is you can learn to go back consciously into the space of that dream, confront the challenge and deal with it on its own ground. And that can change everything. It can end a, end a whole history of nightmares, for example. You know, my mom died when I was four, and I could remember this recurring dream I had, probably five years old. It kept coming up. I was alone and abandoned, and clearly, I was given an opportunity to work through the loss of my mother and abandonment by this recurring dream that kept happening night after night. And so, that's why I just love the work you're doing. I've known from five years old how powerful this is. Did you did the conversation with your mom evolve? Was she playing guide and friend to you in those dreams that followed her death? Yes, and she actually came back and left her perfume on my pillow when I was a teenager. Yes, yeah. Well, one thing that I teach people is very clear to me because I've talked to the dead all my life. You know, I don't practice as a psychic medium, but I find it it's not difficult to talk to the deceased. Uh, I guess that's partly due to my personal history of dying and coming back, as they called it in Australia when I was a kid. I know that our, the deceased are available to us for three reasons. Either they're still around and they might stay around because they want to look out for us. They might stay around for more negative reasons. They're drunk, they're addicted, they want another fix or something. But they might stay around to look after us. And they come visiting, they come calling. That happens in dreams and in other ways. And, and in dreams also, because dreaming is traveling, we might find ourselves guided by them in the realms where they are at home. And from these experiences comes the enduring human conviction that consciousness survives death. I mean, religions teach about that. A religion that has no teaching about the afterlife doesn't have much of a future in this world. But where does the basic belief come from? The basic belief in a life beyond this world comes from dreams and encounters with the deceased. They come rolling and we go into their realm. This is basic, basic, basic human material available to all of us. The number one reason, Steve, why people who've never talked about dreams start talking is because they've dreamed of someone who died and they want initially confirmation and validation. Could that be my mother? Could that be my grandfather? Is it for real? They want, an, they want somebody who sounds reliable to say, okay, 
this isn't just an aspect of you. This isn't just wish fulfillment. This isn't just something from your personal subconscious. This might be a transpersonal encounter with someone who's alive on the side of death. You're not going crazy. Other people have this experience and here are the things you might want to do. For example, you might want to get back in contact with that person. If that deceased person has visited you, maybe you can have a full conversation, sit down, put out a picture of that person, put out something they like to eat or drink, initiate a conversation and learn more of what they might have to say to you. Thank you for that. And what does it mean to live in a mythic edge and to make a deal with your personal <laughs> death for a life extension? What do you mean by that? Well, you read Mysterious Realities, the new book, and you'll find it begins with a very close-up and personal, terrifying and also wildly funny encounter between this author and an embodied form of his death. I've talked for a long time in my life to Yama, who's well-known in by Hindu, to Hindus and Buddhists, and can take horrific form, but sometimes, when he's in a gentle mood, can talk like a Maharaja who's been educated at Oxford or Cambridge. So my book begins with a real story, a real story of an author negotiating a life extension. And the deal basically is, it sounds like Scheherazade from the Arabian Nights, but the deal basically is the author will be allowed to go on living in this world as long as he keeps producing and writing stories that entertain his death. This is the personal myth I am living at the moment. I used to say I was living the myth of Odysseus, the, the, the wounded warrior who's healed in the, in the realm of women and takes a long time getting home and find it easy when he gets home. Today, I say to people when they ask, well, what myth are you living? I'm living Scheherazade. I understand. And this is vivid in my mind at all moments that my death is right here at my shoulder. And what I'm required to do at this stage in my life is to keep on producing and writing stories that will entertain death. So that's an example of the mythic edge. Your book starts and ends with stories about that, a personal relationship with death. Living on the mythic edge in general, for anybody listening or watching, is it might be about many other things. I mean, I really think that all of us are connected to bigger stories than we're often aware of. Those stories might be in mythology, they might be in fairy tales, they might be in folklore. Our stories are not the same. We think we're living a certain story. Sometimes, we're, sometimes we don't realize we're living a story at all. And that's a dangerous condition. Because if you don't understand that you're living a story, you're probably trapped and stuck in old used personal history maybe maybe a multi multi uh, multi temporal family history of dysfunctional false expectation or something one of the tricks in life is to step out of the old limited personal histories into the power of a bigger and braver story and that's one of the things that comes upon us in dreams where the stories are hunting us so to live on a mythic edge is to wake up to the fact that there are larger forces at play. Jung called them the epitypes. Jung once, there's a story about Jung in my new book, about Jung's doing the afterlife. You might find that interesting too. One of the things that Jung said once, only once in his vast compendium of writings, is he said, we live and move in a circumambient atmosphere. He meant by that more than the personal energy field. Circumambient atmosphere for Jung meant we are connected to larger stories, to archetypes, to the gods, goddesses, demons, spirits who inhabit the larger stories. And our connection with one story or another from that deeper reality will condition and generate the synchronistic phenomena that pop up around us. I was once asked a question similar to yours about living on the mythic edge, and I gave an example. I'll give it now. I dream twice in one week I've written something like a Greek epic, and I began writing it by writing an invocation of the muses the way that the Greeks would do. So I'm carrying translations of the Odyssey and the Argonautica, the tale of Jason and the Argonauts on a plane trip, 
And I sit next to a woman who sounds just like me, and I'm struck by it because my accent is not immediately identifiable. It's a sort of Anglo-Australian accent. It's a bit hard to name exactly where it comes from. The woman talks exactly like me. So I say to her, you talk exactly like me. She says, quote, of course, I'm Helen of Troy, she says. Now, she's making a joke. She is an Australian who's moved to Troy, New York, where I used to live, so there's synchronicity. I arrive in Boulder, Colorado, where I've got a date for my book of poetry at a fine independent bookstore. The girl who greets me at the desk says, my name is Athena. So I say, quick as a whip, where's Odysseus? She says, oh, Odysseus works for the store. Paging Odysseus, paging Odysseus, this handsome young guy with flowing beard and hair straight home. You're really Odysseus? Yes, my parents are traveling in Greece. They call me Odysseus. And it goes on like this, installment after installment. There are seven or eight of these installments of mythic names. That's a moment when you cannot fail to notice, Steve, that you're living on a mythic edge and you even feel that operators behind the curtains of ordinary reality are sort of snickering and giggling. And, is that enough or should we give him another one? Should we give him another one? Should we produce another of these pop-ups to make it clear to him that he is living a certain mythic story? You come awake to all of this and your life will be different because your ability to have experiences of this kind and to use them depends on you being open and available, not just stuck in headphone land, not just stuck on your schedule, but able to walk this world, not just the dream worlds at night, or the shamanic journey to walk this world ready to notice when something of the deeper reality is popping up to tickle you or give you a secret nudge or handshake to bring your weight to the play of larger forces and a secret order of events. That's part of what it means to live consciously and mythically in the larger universe. He's Robert Moss, the new book, Mysterious Realities, with, and you can get it at his website. It's at mossdreams.com over on Amazon bookstores worldwide, but mossdreams.com. We'll have a link to that of the show notes at Juice Guru Radio under today's show, so you can click there too. Robert, thank you for all the phenomenal work. Anything to say in closing before we uh, – there's so much we could say, so I know we can go on for hours, but anything that we didn't touch on or that uh, we can get out to our listeners to get them on this path of waking life. Well, maybe two things in particular uh, to reprise or to underline. The only time is now. Really, the only time is now. Yes, it's TikTok time. We have a schedule. We're going to finish the interview at a certain time. But fundamentally, the time is now. All time, past time, parallel time, future time might be accessible to you in this moment and might be revisioned and even revised for the better. That's the first thing. That's something I teach people to recognize. You can step in and, in and out of time. That's a pretty interesting thing to experiment with. The other thing is, once again, that everything changes in your life was seized by a bigger story. The Australian Aborigines say the big stories are hunting the right people to tell them. I would say the big stories are hunting the right people to live those stories. So getting in touch with the big edge, getting in touch with the mythic life, the bigger and braver story is really a question of you putting yourself in the place where the big story can find you. Not so much about you hunting the story as accepting you're being hunted by a larger life a larger understanding of reality, a larger power, and putting yourself in a place as you do in dreams when you pay attention, as you do in the world when you pay attention to synchronicity, to the story that's after you. Because I'll say it again, once you are seized by a bigger story, everything is going to change. You'll find you have courage and clarity to deal with the ups and downs of everyday life. So that's fundamentally what I teach people to do, to be ready to be seized by a bigger and braver story. Robert Moss, right here on his Guru Radio. Robert, thank you so much again. Thank you for the wisdom and all the work. And please get the book. We highly recommend it. Robert, thank you for being here. My pleasure. May your best dreams come, Steve, and everybody. 
My name is Steve Persek, and we'll see you next time. But we do have a question from the studio audience. Before we close out, this one came in. Robert, if we could just get one question answered, is that okay? Okay. Diane had asked, my late husband has, has visited me in my dreams. Is there a way to ask him to visit? Yes, yes. I mean, if he visited in your dreams, Diane, probably he's available anytime you sit down and, sit down and set up a colloquial family altar. By that, all I mean is put out a photograph, a memento of him, put out a drink or a snack that he would like to have pen and paper available and assume that he's available for conversation. See and just ask him a question and see what comes. Trust what comes to you. That's how it might begin. Another way of approaching it, which requires a little bit more process, is you take a dream of your husband, which is alive for you and has energy, and you make it your intention to go back into the space you were in when he appeared. It might be a space in your own house, which means it's not distant travel. It might be a space somewhere else. Put yourself back in there and go on with the dream. Ask those questions with the intention of bringing back clarity on what he's trying to impart to you. Uh, this is not so difficult. I mean, our deceased often really urgently want to take with us for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes they want healing and forgiveness. Sometimes they want to clarify something from the story of the life they just ended. Sometimes they want to be counselor and everyday angel to us. And I have the feeling that your husband, Diane, has a message for you, which is empowering for life. It might be simply a message of love and continued life beyond death and him want you to know how that works. But there might be specific information there that he would love you to have. So those are easy ways. I think you'll find them quite easy to get back in contact with him. Awesome. And thank you from Diane. And uh, one more from David. Um, out of all your books, where do I start if I'm new to your work? Is there a book you recommend I get to get into what you're up to? Well, I want you to read the new one, of course, Mysterious Realities. I'm the proud and fierce father of a new book. I want you to read that. Whatever else you read, it's full of stories that will juice up your sense possibilities. But in terms of the basic core techniques, an easy book to start with is called The Three Only Things. The subtitle is Tapping the Power of Dreams, Coincidence and Imagination, or one other, Active Dream. Both of those are very good books for the basic process of becoming an active dreamer, which means doing something more with your dreams, learning the arts of lucid dreaming by ways that are simpler and more powerful than those often touted, and also becoming a lucid dreamer in everyday life by paying attention to the power of meaningful coincidence. So those are two good ones for the process and the techniques. The website again is mossdreams.com. Thank you everyone for being here. Robert, thank you again for this work and we'd love to have you back on again. I just I, I just love your message. I love the work you're doing and the way you communicate it. It's just you stand out from the rest. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Steve. Until next time. Much love. Thank you, Robert. And everyone else, we'll see you next time. We've got a lot more events this week and I'll see you next time. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juicegururadio.com. Until next time, get your juice on.